0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Fintech Focus TV with me, Toby Babb. Today I am delighted to be back in the studio. I'm introducing you to Ali Mashoufi. Ali, how are you doing? Toby, delighted to be here, thank you. Great to have you in, um, really excited to be talking to about Alpha Deep Tech with you today. Tell us a little bit about yourself first and foremost, and we'll get into the company and loads more to unpack, because I've been talking to you about this beforehand. It's a really exciting time, really exciting
1: product, uh, really exciting company, and I want to hear all about it. But tell us about yourself first and foremost. Well, thanks very much, Toby. Thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, I, I, I did say that before as well, but I'm a big fan of Harrington Star, um, you can come again. <laughs> across, across the spectrum, so what you've created over the past few years is very impressive. Uh, I love it. It's really kind. No, thank you. So, my background. Um, when I go back to the early 2000s, um, that's when I uh, you know, started uh, trading. This was just after the you know, uh, tech bubble, I started trading with my own money. Um, you know, fascinated by the markets. Growing up in a small city in Germany, there was uh, nothing else you could do really than <laughs> trade your money, right? There was, uh, you know, there were international banks, you no know, fintech, nothing. Um, and I worked as a management consultant uh, for a German think tank um, active in the uh, manufacturing sector because okay. Germany is known well-known for its Absolutely. manufacturing sector. So, so I would effectively work with C-level folks. Um, at, you know, the likes of Audi and BMW and and some hidden champions, some, you know, very innovative companies on improving the um, uh, procedures, right? It was all about total quality management and how you can actually improve and bring more efficiency in an organization. As part of that, I was tasked with creating an innovation tool as well, so a management tool to measure the the degree of innovation at an organization and and, then work with the management team to use that and improve the degree of innovation right innovation in the blood you could say that (laughs) (laughs) thank you but of course you know being um, uh, you know fascinated by the financial markets um, uh, i then took all the life savings uh, in uh, 2006 and moved to 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 london and um, set up an investment management business and uh, put together a team and uh, by the time uh, we wanted to launch, uh, and this was um, a, a, an ethical fund, okay. effectively ESG. In, in Making ESG cool before it was cool. <laughs> probably a bit early for that. And by the time we wanted to launch, uh, it was the beginnings, or you, know, you could see the signs of the financial crisis. Um, so you know, the fund didn't launch. We shelved that. And uh, it was in you know, early 2008 or late 2007 when I uh, entered uh, FinTech. The whole of FinTech in the world of fintech. Very fortunate to be joining uh, IHS market at the time, which was known as a market, um, and um, meeting, you know, the great uh, Lance Zubler. Yeah. Yeah, we were um, talking about this
0: before, right at the start of the, uh, well, not right at the
1: very start, but it was still a small company. It was actually. a relatively small company. L- I believe it was less than 500 uh, colleagues. Yeah. You know, Lance would still uh, meet uh, all new employees um, uh, in person. Uh, breakfast and uh, in fact have hosted tennis tournament at his beautiful house where it all started I believe in in the barn yeah Um, but it was really then when the 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 fintech um, the fintech bug infected me and and and, you know Lance's um, energy and enthusiasm entrepreneurship yeah right Um, few years later uh, you know having worked with some other great people at the at the London Stock Exchange uh, the Turquoise uh, MTF um, I then um, joined uh, Ulink, mm-hmm. which was, um, still is, uh, you know, a technology, front office technology a provider now part of uh, Broadridge. Yep. But again, very fortunate to have worked with a you know, magnificent entrepreneur, Laurent Useldinger mm-hmm. and learned from him. It was effectively the second experience where you could see that, you know, having an innovative idea and being able to commercialize it, uh, you can bring great value. Uh, to your clients, and generate uh, a, you know a great success story for yourself and your shareholders. Yeah. Right. Fast forward to 2020. Uh, I uh, teamed up with uh, Florian Michu. Yeah. And uh, Florian Michu has been, um, I can say, with with uh, pride at the forefront of uh, you know technology innovation uh, for many many years. Well, I was saying
0: well, I, I met him eight years ago and was one of the most impressive people I met at the, you know, that that's sort the of stage. Um, yeah probably, as I say, best part of a decade ago, so it's great to see him back in there and, and what a person to, you know, to, to found a business with.
1: Very fortunate, um, and hopefully in the future, once we can, you know, look back and see the success story, um, you know, I would be, you know, eternally grateful to have, you know, crossed paths with, with Florian. Yeah, yeah. So it, it fosters a, the culture of being a multidisciplinary, effectively, you know, understanding uh, trading um, understanding workflows in, in the front office, mid office, back office, and very important understanding technology. Yeah, right. And that's the whole idea of deep tech. For us, we define um, deep tech as having the capability of really programming in uh, first generation language all the way to you know fifth and sixth generation programming languages. Mm. Right. Um, having that and be able to use the best technology. That is fit for the task at hand.
0: Yeah. Right. It's interesting, that isn't it? Because uh, because you know I noticed that, that deep tech is obviously in the name of the company, um, and know yeah, there's so many different acronyms and words that, that, that are used in this in this sort of space. And as as, uh, as tech develops, deep tech means lots of different things. You know, just as fintech means loads of different things to loads of different people. I think you know you look at it in capital markets, you look at it in payments, you look at it in all sorts of different areas. Tell us, you know, expand on deep tech a little bit, a little bit more, and comp- where the company fits in all of that.
1: Sure, sure. So we, you know, our rationale is to use uh, the best available technology for any given task, right? And bring innovation to the end user, starting effectively with the front office and some degree middle office. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's all about using technology to create great innovation to our users in order to give them. If you like a competitive edge. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's effectively the, the big picture. Uh, in, in more you know um, detail, that effectively means if you have a, let's say, senior risk manager at a bank in the front office, um, that person can use our first product that we've uh, launched uh, this year, Sabre. Mm-hmm. They can use Sabre to instantly. Um, access um, risk KPIs yeah across asset classes and interactively attribute them to clients to you know various asset classes or assets segments um, industry segments or any other you know indicator they would like to monitor in real time Got it right yeah. so the key innovation is you have data. Uh, residing in your organization we take that data and we create actionable insights for our user yeah yeah instantly yeah
0: okay I think that action insights is something which is so important isn't it when you, you know, when you look at a lot of uh, I, th- I think the spiel out there about data and data companies out there it's, it's actually about what what's useful and how do you make that action in, in play and I think companies like yours from my understanding is all about making sure that this works for people it's not tech for tech's sake. I think there's a lot of fintech businesses in capital markets which is about tech for tech's sake. For, for me it's got to be about speed, it's got to be about uh, efficiency, it's got to be about optimization that allows people to play and uh, you know to play better and, and, and effectively trade and, and perform more effectively.
1: And that's where you come in I presume. Absolutely. And um, I mean there are other great companies, um, uh, you know, uh, probably out there, mm. not probably they are out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I when I speak about Alpha, what we can say is that um, we look at assets and asset classes in their own right. Mm. Um, so, and we t- we develop the models right for that specific asset class. We don't first of all we don't take any off the shelf code, any off the shelf solution that has been built, let's say, for the retail uh, space. Right, you will have technology companies that develop great products, but the analytical tools are made for the, you know, for Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah. You cannot take that same model and put it uh, in place to, to price an illiquid asset, for example, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, what we are saying is that, uh, you know, we create an innovative tool that will perform complex analytical tasks, for each asset class, starting in fixed income, because that's where the interest has been with our yeah. with our you know, with the firms we're speaking uh, speaking l- to. There's us. a lot of innovation in fixed income, full stop. At the moment, it seems like it's it's the asset class
0: where there's the the real clamour to uh, you know, to get to gain more efficiency at the moment, from my from my understanding. Uh,
1: right, and because it's it's highly complex. Yeah. Yes. So you could have um, uh, an equity that is trading uh, on a central limit order book, and you'll have. The price of that equity instantaneously. Yeah, right. Because it is trading on an exchange, you see the you know the the uh, trade reports and uh, I mean it's it's being traded uh, in microseconds, right? For that same large cap stock, you could have hundreds of bonds, right? Yeah. Same company, hundreds of bonds, and you cannot apply the same analytical methods to price that one bond. And within that universe of bonds, you could have, you know, the you know the different uh, different bonds behaving differently as well, the liquidity div- behaving differently as well. So one of the things that we do as well is we can assess what is what we could could call fake liquidity in a product. Yeah, yeah. On on the other side, we can actually analyze what is hidden liquidity for a product as well. So all of that can be achieved today, and you can only achieve it. If you understand the product, the asset class, and you have the analytical capabilities of productizing that. Yeah. Right? You have knowledge, but you need to be able to productize that knowledge. And if, and if you look at yourself and
0: Florian with lots of experience with it, you know, within the, in the space, I imagine that this, this uh, innovation and your ability to sort of get that product market fit as founders has been through the feedback you've had from your customers. From the
1: market. That, and I will actually take it one step further, it was um, in cooperation with a uh, with company which we cannot disclose, um, that actually approached us and said, look, this is a, a real issue we have, right? Can you help us solve it and would you like to present to us? And what we did was not just put together a PowerPoint, but actually put together a proof of concept. Amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and went back and had the mandate to you know, effectively build the product. And so we were in the fortunate situation to achieve product market fit working with the yeah, company which is the best way to do it. Having a real problem. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and that's and that's been working well, I would assume. That's been working well. It's allowed the rest of the company to grow from <laughs> grow from Exactly. There. And that's helped us, you know, to build a you know, a, a pipeline sales pipeline, you know, yeah. me being a salesperson for <laughs> the best part of the last, you know, nearly twenty years now. Um, I understand, you know, what the software sales cycle like, can be yeah, yeah. Uh, that you need to have um, that's an interesting area so actually because because as you say you,
0: you started in uh, just pre-pandemic just pre-pandemic which is always a good time to, uh, to, to kick off one of the big things and the, the threats around uh, companies no matter how innovative no matter how beneficiary is this uh, procurement stranglehold mm-hmm. that you've got in in capital markets tech and you know, it's either having the runway to, to, you know, to work through that and wait for it and understand that and budget accordingly for it, or it's looking at innovative ways again in terms of your solution to go to market of, yes.
1: of, of partnerships, and those partnerships is a model that you've really done well with. What, what's, what led you down that route? It's, um, it's two things, I would say, primarily. The one thing is you know understanding that um, sales cycle and understanding really the thought process of the, of the buyers as well, right? Um, and I've heard this example on your show previously. You know, if I go with ABM and I fail, I, you know, I still keep my job, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, we have fully you know, we've experienced that firsthand in previous organizations as well. That's one, uh, which leads me effectively to the second point, which is um, you know to overcome that, uh, working with others, with partners that have relationships with financial institutions, right? But they will have a similar thought process than the the buyers. They would think, okay, so, you know, this company is highly innovative, um, but what else is there? And that's when the, um, uh, you know, experience and uh, the relationships we've built over the last years yeah, yeah. Really give our partners the confidence that not only do we have a great product, but we can deliver that great product to the client, and we can maintain a service level. It's very important for our partners.
0: And it's and it's a bootstrap business that you've uh, you've worked through. Is there investment? You, you, what, what what does the future roadmap look
1: like? For you right. Guys? So we have uh, we raised uh, um, uh, external funding, equity, um. equity capital. Uh, and uh, that um, funding is sufficient for us to carry on and, and uh, scale the business. Um, and we are looking to hire, I would say, probably north of 10 colleagues in the next 18 months. Wow. Such exciting times, isn't it? Just
0: seeing that whole thing grow. As you talked about with that, that sort of background of you know, working with some of those great entrepreneurial founders and seeing businesses grow, grow around that, you must be loving it. Must be,
1: it must be such fun right now for you. It is fun. Um, (laughs) It is fun. It's also, you know, it's 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 a roller coaster of emotions. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I think um, uh, you you may have read um, the hard thing about hard things. I have read the hard thing about things, and that's effectively one of our one of our you know uh, management bibles, if you if you like. and It will you know really tell you that uh, it is an up and down, right? So right now we are writing the you know the the Wave, and uh, we are uh, in a very good position. You know, we have a great product, uh, well funded, um, and a great pipeline. But I'm pretty sure around the next corner there is uh, something that will want to trip us up. Well, let's let's
0: let's talk about that because look, it's it's naive at the moment not to look at some of the economic forces that are out there in, in the industry. We're talking mm-hmm. about hyperinflation at stages. We've got the Ukraine situation. You know, there's volatility in almost every opportunity, or yes. every, every way you look. I've always thought that within volatility, there's opportunity, um, and in the markets, there's, there's exactly that same way. We've seen tech stocks taking a bit of a battering on, mm-hmm. on, on you know, Nasdaq and yeah. investor flutters ar- around around that sort of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So, despite the fact of everything, you know, <laughs> you've been born. Impossibly, the, the, uh, as a company, in, in the uh, the hardest possible time to start to start to start a business. Um, but there's this ambition, this vis- vision that's ar- around around there. What does that What does that mean for you? And and, and obviously that you've got your plan there to, to considerably grow the business uh, during during that. Despite yes. despite that. Yes.
1: Where's the, Where's the confidence? And where's the opportunity? And what what drives that through? From me. I think uh, you know what's happening in Ukraine is um, is um, you know horrific. I have to mm. say that's, um, and um, I'm just praying that you know the people will um, overcome that, and, yeah. and there will be peace. Um, that is certainly affecting, you know, operations. I would say talent acquisition, etc. Because yeah. um, you know there is a lot of talent that is coming from Eastern Europe, uh, from U- Ukraine uh, particularly yes, as well. So yeah. that is affecting. That is affecting effectively, you know, uh, hiring plans because it has a knock-on effect and. Um, companies need talented people. right? right. So, so that's, I think, there lies a challenge. Um, but other than that, I think um, we see opportunities because when you have inflationary pressures and your contracts are CPI plus 3%, that is immediately, potentially, a 12% increase on your Technology spent mm. for which you may not have budgeted for, right? Mm. So cost savings become a real topic, right? Yeah. And as you know, with um, SaaS businesses, um, and we have, you know, a we have a SaaS model effectively. You can achieve, and I will use this term, and I know everybody, you know, probably uses this as well, but you do achieve. A lower total cost of technology ownership when you are going with a vendor that has a great solution, mm. right?
0: Mm. Absolutely.
1: Right, right. Um, so there are opportunities for companies that would like to maintain a degree of innovation or even excel, yeah. right? While at the same time looking at the cost and and, and realize those cost savings. Yeah. I think this is this is very much
0: the point. that gives me confidence in the industry as it stands at the moment. Is that there is a um, yeah there there is a realization that I think it's come through particularly over the last two years. There's a realization that, that tech spend isn't tech spend anymore. Um, and what I mean by that is is I think boards sat for ages now. It's more spending technology and we've got to cut back on all that sort of thing. Now I reckon that I, I, I believe that people see investment in technology as something which massively improves efficiency. Mass- massively improves competitive advantage in many cases and productivity and also reduces spend rather than rather than great great spend so it's you know it's kind of spending more to, to, to spend less at the same sort of time with innovation and innovations at the core you said at the start that you, you were uh, born into innovation you've got the agility of being a really interesting startup in in the business which you do and I think you know through the power of partnerships that you've been talking about beforehand what we're seeing is this this sort of um, Perfect storm at the moment, where legacy systems have been recognised to be prohibitive to the performance levels that people want to get to, and there are companies who've been early adopters who've bought in this uh, this sort of schmokus board of technology that allows them to compete and and provide bespoke solutions that allows them to play at their absolute best at the same sort of time. So having companies like yours who who are able to you know to clearly articulate that value proposition, mm-hmm. to clearly. Uh, show how in a very adaptable manner you can listen to customers as you just talk, spoke about with your use case model and uh, and give that proof of concept and give that confidence it's a really exciting time for businesses like yours I think and I think the next five years are only going to ac- accelerate that and put some you know, more more petrol on that
1: bonfire well thank you very much uh, you know I mean we think we think uh, exactly like you just, you know, outlined effectively because, uh, you know, innovation is needed and uh, and there is expectation of innovation being delivered because, you know, our B2B users, they are someone else's B2C customer yeah. and they see on a daily basis how innovation is happening in the various services they receive via their smart smartphones and, and iPads. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I'm putting myself in their position and I'm expecting the same from my B2B providers. 100%, right? yeah. Um, and not only that, so not, I'm not only expecting a better service, but I'm expecting more innovative commercial models yeah. as well, yeah, yeah. right, that suit my budgeting um, criteria, effectively. Look, yeah. I do not want to be forced a ten-year contract <laughs> with a CPI plus five if, uh, if that's something that I cannot uh, really uh, accept yeah it yeah. doesn't really so so from our perspective you're absolutely right so our ambition our aim and our so far trajectory is to provide innovation that's an innovation by definition means you bring in a clear improvement. That is commercially successful for the business, right? So that is effectively our definition for innovation: bring innovation to the clients um, while actually reducing the cost burden as well. If you look at it end to end, right? It starts with your license fees, uh, which uh, which will be lower because we're running a much low operation, right? And service levels. So service will be at the heart of uh, everything we do. So you bring innovation, uh, better commercial terms, effectively. Um, and uh, service levels. Uh, very important to me that um, we um, are very responsive because in my experience, clients get very frustrated when they have an an issue and they reach out to the support teams um, and it will take time even to acknowledge that a message has been received. Yeah. And I want to really, really make sure that... To receive an immediate response, it's so important, isn't it? And we take care of them. Yeah, just coming back to all of those sort of things—the the instant gratification world
0: that we live in, mm. and that sort of digital expectations that we've got everywhere—that mm. piece, I think, is a kingmaker for a bit for a business. If you've got a, a system um, and it hasn't got that sort of you know, snap of the finger, this is what we want to want to have, and it's not got that client interaction, mm. I think that's where you start to lose lose the uh, you know, lose lose the audience a little bit in terms of where you want to go. So I love the fact that that's already. Know, very you know, set at the kernel of the, of the business. Ali, there is so much we can be talking about, Tell, but, but let's, let's finish up by talking about what it looks like and where it goes for me. You've spoken about growth, spoken about where the, where the company wants to go, your backing, etc., etc. and it's an exciting time. What's next for
1: you? What can we expect to see through the rest of, of 2022 and beyond? Yes, yeah, so you, you will see some announcements. Uh, we will have um, some uh, major announcements in terms of uh, staff, Uh, senior staff joining the organization, Uh, you will have uh, announcements around the partnerships and then you will have announcements around client wins in the next 12 months. Um, And it is all about uh, uh, scaling and and hiring hiring, uh, talented people. And to us, it's very important to have uh, and to attract the best people Mm. and to compensate accordingly as well. Yes, I think that's
0: so important. Look, obviously, you know, it's my, my sort of uh, big passion on, on all of that sort of thing. But I think it's it's funny at, at, at this sort of stage of a business, making sure that, that that sort of core team continues to have that talent. I speak about it a lot on the show talent density. Making sure you scale out, not just because you, you need to, but because you, you are looking at the best possible people to allow that to, to happen. And, and uh, yeah, look, it sounds exciting times. Listen, if there are people out there, who should be talking to you guys at the moment. Yes. Who are they and how they're going to get in touch with you?
1: I would say uh, any any uh, professional uh, on the buy side or sell side, uh, in the front office holding a senior role, uh, head of trading, um, head of front office risk, um, or middle office risk, uh, should be reaching out to us. Any company that has uh, major challenges around um, productizing um, their uh, quant risk models—you uh, know, if could be putting putting those ideas into a software application—should be speaking to us. Um, and um, and the best way to reach out is uh, either via LinkedIn on our company page, Alpha Deep Tech, or uh, the website, which is Alpha dot um, And uh, I'll be sure to respond respond personally, absolutely.
0: And and for all those people who are are going to do that, they could well be getting in touch with the next great Capital Markets Tech Unicorn that comes out of it. I wish you nothing but luck. I'm I'm sure you don't need it because it's a great team to start off with. It's an exceptional product. It's it's the right area to be working in as far as I'm concerned. And I can't wait to see it grow. I'm really excited about it. And Ali, it's lovely to have you in here today. thank Thank you. Thank you all for watching and we will see you soon on another episode of FinTech Focus TV. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Yes. <laughs>